0: Welcome back to the Cult of Cinema podcast.
1: It's been a while, but we are alive.
0: Woo! My name is Caitlin, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Phil.
1: Today's episode is all about sequels!
0: Woo! For those not in Melbourne, or even Australia, we've just gone into our isolation sequel.
1: Dun-dun. So we thought we would riff on that theme to help stave off the creeping sense of dread and ennui.
0: We watched two sequels last night for today's episode, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, and one of my personal favourites, Scream 2.
1: So after we've chatted about these two films, very different films, uh, we'll play a little bit of a true or false game about sequels, and then we'll wrap it up.
0: I'm excited to get started.
1: So am I. It's been a long time. Thank you for listening again, if you've stuck with us this whole time.
0: We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we needed a break. We had a lot of shit going on. I think we're not the only people during isolation who had a lot of shit going on despite having seemingly having more time. I don't know.
0: Or having nothing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like you have a lot to do and then sometimes not much at all. So.
0: And like all the time in the world, but no time at all.
1: So without further ado, we're going to start with Scream 2.
0: What?! He surprised me. He said we were going to do Children of the Corn too first. Now I feel ambushed. Ambushed.
1: Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? <laughs>
0: Two college students were brutally murdered. Police
1: are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the
0: Woodsboro murders.
1: She's an opportunist.
0: Be kind, she saved our lives.
1: Yeah, I know. I read all about it in the
0: book. I can't wait to see the movie.
1: some freaked out psycho they're probably already in your life
0: So you just want to sit here and, and wait to see who drops next the
1: way i see it someone's out to make a sequel so it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel number one the body count is always bigger number two the death scenes are always much more elaborate how do we find the killer randy that's what i want to know well let's look at the suspects anything am i it's him he can see us do you want to die tonight is that the best you can do why not set your goals higher huh you want to be one of the big boys manson bundy oj Showgirls,
0: absolutely frightening. Scream 2 starts out much the same as the first Scream, which we all agree is an iconic film. So, with a murdered couple played by Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps... Uh, They are attending a free showing of the film Stab, the meta version of Scream, based on the events of the first film. After half the film's characters of colour are dispatched by the now well-known Ghostface killer, we're off to find our final gal, Sid, played by 90s teen stalwart Nev Campbell. Are you a fan of Nev, Phil?
1: I don't think I've seen her in anything apart from Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 4.
0: Well, we need to rectify that.
1: She's fine? I, no, no, want, we we love Nev. Okay, we we love Nev, quote unquote.
0: We love Nev. Yeah,
1: I just wanted to note that at the start of this film, they make comments about people of color dying early in horror films, and then like kill two, of, like the first two people who die are black. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit cheeky.
0: I mean, at least it's but, not as whitey whitewashed as the first one.
1: That's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: Um, continuing on, we watch Sydney as she tries to settle into college life two years after the murders. We also get reunited with Randy, the video store nerd from the first film, who helpfully reminds us uh, of the rules of sequels. It's got to be the same, but with more violent kills. Thanks for the foreshadowing, Mr. Metter. As well as now ex-police officer, Dewey Riley, played by David Arquette, and his ex investigative journalist, Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox, who everyone knows from Friends.
1: Yeah, and and Officer Dewey gains about 20 IQ points in this film.
0: But he loses an arm. Yeah. I do like that they brought back the fact that you can't just get away from being stabbed repeatedly in the first one and that he has nerve damage in the second one and has lost the use of most of his arm. That is true, yeah. Continuing on. So from there, the murders escalate and it's up to Sydney to figure out who the killer or killers might be. We're gonna go with spoilers. Spoiler alert! It's exactly who you think it's going to be. As Timothy Oliphant disappears halfway through the film, clearly on a murder spree. However, it is completely random, just to screw with you. As his partner in crime is wait for it, Laurie Metcalf. That's right, Ladybird's mom is playing uh, <laughs> Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mom, and uh, she's out to for blood from Sydney.
1: Which I feel like is a bit of a nod to Mrs. Voorhees.
0: Oh, definitely. Well, neither of them get in um, her way. And hooray! Sydney, Gail, and Dewey all survive for Scream 3. Uh, but sorry, Randy, uh, the video store nerd, he, he who thinks he's been friends-owned by Sid, as if that's the thing. He um, apparently needed to go.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they were all a little bit improbably old for the ages they're playing anyway, so... They're
0: in college. That can be any age. Yeah.
1: Sure it could. <laughs>
0: okay. This film is a who's who of 90s actors. We've got Sarah Michelle Gellar, Joshua Jackson, Jerry O'Connell, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant, as I said before, and Portia de Rossi. But there's many more, um, so enjoy finding them as you watch. Um, I will ruin the fact that there are m- fun moments with Heather Graham, Tori Spelling, and Luke Wilson, who star in the aforementioned Stab film, which I particularly love.
1: Yeah, cameos as themselves playing characters from Scream 1.
0: Can you even meta, though?
1: <laughs> yeah, this film's very uh, clever.
0: He's being mean! <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know. I found it a little bit... Uh, uh, okay. I'll be completely honest. Scream. The Scream formula doesn't really work for me.
0: And why not?
1: Uh, I found it a little bit smug. And a little bit um, too clever for its own good. And also... I mean, and I like meta films. Like I will reach for Last Action Hero, even though it's too long, uh, and have a lot of fun with it, with all its nods to action tropes. But there's just something so literal and on the nose about the way they do it. It Just it's just too obvious for me. So you
0: didn't like the scene in the college film class where they're discussing sequels? Um, I mean,
1: I did because it's kind of like a conversation that everyone. Who likes films has had. And I so, mean,
0: they're like, is Aliens better than Alien? Is Terminator Two better than Terminator One? Yeah. and then they all agree that Godfather Two is the best. So, yeah,
1: like, yeah, totally. That's that's fun, but for me, like, particularly because I don't find Ghostface scary at all. And all the scenes where you see him, he's so goofy and he's just falling over. And but I love that. There's kind of like a comedic undertone it's like for me it undercuts his threat level
0: yeah but how can you not appreciate how goofy he is when people are like throwing um plants and bikes at him <laughs> as he's like chasing them up the stairs like that just gets me i so enjoy the mistakes that ghostface killer killer makes like tripping skidding on the ground i think it shows that they aren't some indestructible michael myers or Jap- jason rip ripoff and i appreciate it for what it is
1: sure yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. I don't... They're okay. <laughs> I know that seems like an underwhelming statement because uh, people adore this film. And I feel like particularly given the impact it had on revitalizing horror in the 90s, uh, it's really important.
0: And led to all of the spin offs. Yeah. Of like, I know what you did last summer and...
1: Which is also... Like, I just hate it. Legends. Yes, yeah, so I just can't get into it. And it's also like the the sort of stereotypical teen setting as well like it's i don't know it's just too many cliches for me
0: it also probably led to um, final destination series and that's fun you enjoyed that yeah but that's because that isn't
1: smart it knows it's trash and it's and it's just like (laughs) lol (laughs) it's just like lol let's just kill people in ridiculous ways and like if you're sitting down and you know that's what you're watching that's totally fine
0: well what's the difference between that and scream then
1: Scream has that that meta component and it's it's got a very knowing script writer like it's 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 this constant big wink at the audience and like
0: (sighs) but it's only for people in the know that's the thing like you take it for granted that you know the tropes, so therefore you are the intended audience and everyone's going to be like that but there are a bunch of people I'm sure going in who don't know the tropes and so watching the Scream films it's just straight up scary for them
1: well it's funny actually and I think you're right and I I will be the first to admit I don't think these films are for me I don't think they're bad they're just not for me but I actually saw Scream before I really got into horror films in general um I actually had a teacher like an English teacher and I think he was involved with Scream 1 or 2 like he knew That's cool. He knew Wes and I can't remember because like I wasn't like I said I wasn't a, a big horror fan in year 8 or whatever it was. And so I don't remember his connection, but he had a connection. And so I watched the film and, and yeah, I just, even at that point, I just found it goofy. So I don't know. It's just not for me. I actually,
0: yeah. I mean, the first, the first time I watched it was at the, the morning after a Halloween party sleepover at my house and everyone had gone home and it was just me with some leftover pizza watching it in front of the TV. Um, and I was like really close. I went sat right in front of the TV and it scared me. It scared me hard.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it is it is aimed more at, I mean, the way that Scream 1 opens with the, the killing of Drew Barrymore, spoiler. <coughs>
0: if you don't know that by now, I mean, we can't help you.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is the film? Oh, it's like 25 years old now or something like that. Oh,
0: my God. Don't say that.
1: Yeah, right. Like, it's definitely scarier for that age group of oh no I'm a, maybe I'm a female a single or I'm an alone female in a house and there's a noise like it's it's tapping into that kind of mentality that kind of and I just didn't have that obviously I'm I'm like this is what dude so I never really was afraid to be alone
0: if anything you're the predator in this situation <laughs>
1: wow <laughs> shots fired <laughs> And oh like, no, he feels attacked. <laughs> You're right. Like I am the like I'm the the blueprint. I'm the white. You know, you could be the Billy of the stew. Right, like the edgy alternative teen guy. That was me. Um, I wasn't a serial killer, obviously, but whereas something like
0: I like a caveat, by the way.
1: <laughs> just just FYI, but just like,
0: asterisks, not a serial killer.
1: No, just a one time thing. <laughs> Or oh, just it,
0: like one time, like spray spree killing. It's, you know, it doesn't count <laughs> that way.
1: Whereas I compare it to something like, like Halloween, which has, apart from the meta component, this is a very similar film. Like you've got the high school, uh, the prototypical slasher components are all there. And obviously Ghostface is in some ways, apart from the fact that it's an Edward Munch um, painting mask, which is actually, I think pretty cool as a as a reference point it's obviously referring to michael myers like it's it's that same kind of i mean i'm everywhere i have a knife i have a white face well, i mean
0: it's usually i'm everywhere because there are two people doing it
1: true but uh, well maybe yeah maybe that's true but also in like scream 2 he seems to teleport in that there's two of them yeah maybe <laughs> Sure, okay, but there you go. But they they have like a a realistic... They play
0: with the teleporting because it's two people.
1: Absolutely. So even more, it's like it's referring to that Michael Myers thing. But there's something about Halloween, the way it's shot, he is genuinely upsetting and the way he like stalks when he's driving that car and the way he will just appear and then disappear and the the stylistic shooting of it. For me, the atmosphere is, is ominous. Whereas whenever you see Ghostface, it's like in really bright lights and I can see all... I mean, not actually, but you can see the zipper on the... You can see the the seam
0: as of the monster. Yeah,
1: like he's very there and it's just this dude who's tripping over and swinging a very shiny knife. Like, I, I don't know. It's all just... just doesn't work for me. It's no atmosphere. I
0: understand where you're coming from but i also think that it's a different beast in that it's not trying to show you a killer pov like point of view like that's not what scream is about scream is about the victims and the the characters themselves and it's more of a mystery in that they're trying to figure out who it is and you're not there necessarily to watch an extended kill for example like a lot of the scream kills are quite quick except for the first one at like of drew barrymore yeah and I think it's more about the character interplay and the like winks and nods to the audience members who do know about horror tropes, about what's happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's more about the actions rather than, but that's the thing. I didn't even, I feel like I'm already at a distance from these people because of the way that they're portrayed as very stereotypical, particularly in the first one. The second one, you barely, they barely have any characterization whatsoever
0: I love the first one. I think it's a perfect movie, but um, the second one does leave a little bit to be desired in terms of writing.
1: Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, I I just don't feel like I'm close to any of these people. And so I don't care that they're dying. True, but you spend
0: a lot of, like, an extended period of time with Drew Barrymore at the start of Scream 1, and you said you weren't really even phased when she dies, whereas...
1: Well, no, 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 that's not true. I, I was like, oh, wow, that was... That was a shock, right? But then it wasn't really tethered to the rest of the group well, such that I cared anymore. It was kind of like, oh, this lady is dead now. Oh, no one cares. Oh, well, I guess I'm not meant to care. And then I, there was nothing to connect me to the. Anyway, it just doesn't work for me. I know it works for a lot of people. Mm. Um, it doesn't. It just doesn't scare me. I don't care about the characters. And like, there's some. T- there's a twist, which is nice. But that's. It's really all about. That plot's component. It's all about that twist. It's all about making you guess. I, I don't know. I, I like mysteries. I don't know why. It just doesn't work for me.
0: Okay. Great to disagree.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you love it. I think it's good. I just don't love it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, why don't you tell me more about what you thought Scream 2 didn't do that Scream 1 did manage to do for you?
0: Um, I think that one of the reasons Scream 1 worked for me was it had a tighter knit group of people who all had relationships with one another. I think that part of the reason that Scream 2 falls down a little bit is that it has too many characters who are tangentially linked, yeah. For example, um, Sarah Michelle Gell- Gellar's character, Cece, she's a girl at a sorority house. She's at the same college that Sydney is, but you don't think that they've ever met. And so when she dies, it's just kind of a random killing.
1: Until you get the the through line that they have names that are connected to the original killing.
0: Exactly. But I think that for it to have worked better, it would have been um, prudent of the writer to really nail down what made the first one so successful and do that again rather than just the blueprint.
1: Yeah. And I think the fact that the first two killings are, for the rest of the plot, they're basically nobodies. Yeah, they
0: have nothing to do with the rest of the story.
1: And thats I I feel like that actually, they I feel like the writer of this felt the same way I did about the Drew Barrymore kill in the first one, that it wasn't really all that importantly linked.
0: I mean, they do say that they needed to practice in the first one. And Drew Barrymore had dumped Stu, one of the killers. So there was a link. Whereas apart from their names, there's really no link to the actual killers in Scream 2.
1: Yeah. But like, uh, and we've we've already mentioned that these links are kind of tenuous, like they're, they're plot links that have to be explained with some exposition. Like you don't feel like they're connected and that's, and that's the problem with the the Jada Pinkett Smith and I forget the guy's name who dies. That's the problem with them dying. Like it's just so that Sydney knows that it's all beginning again and so it's kind of a throwaway thing.
0: I also think the music um, cues in the first one really help elevate it to that next level and I feel like Scream 2 kind of um, lagged on that um, regard.
1: I think that's something that the next films we're going to talk about, the difference between the original and the sequel, is exactly the same.
0: Especially since that Nick Cave song, um, Red Right Hand, plays in the first one and it's such a mood setter, whereas Mm. Scream 2 tries to recreate that in the opening moments and it's like, no Scream 2, what are you doing?
1: And do you feel like... One thing I thought was kind of cheeky is that they talk about how sequels need to be pretty much the same with just more kills and whatever. And they pretty much just remade scream one.
0: Yeah. That's the joke.
1: Yeah. But like it, it is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's like, okay, well done. I don't know. It's like the biggest trick you could pull that people really love it. (laughs) It's
0: like, I think also um, it's so cheeky compared to Scream One, Scream Two doesn't have that um, like serious component of um, Sydney's mom being murdered and her um, dealing with that aftermath. So it's kind of the story of a girl who's getting over trauma. They really kind of make Sydney a backseat for most of the film. Yeah, as a final girl. Instead, I really wanted to be able to move with her through this. Um, new world of college and see how she was coping with her trauma from the past
1: and really the only times we see that uh play out are with her new boyfriend in her not trusting him um because she's concerned that he's the killer
0: which like fair enough yeah
1: and like he's you know he's mostly understanding about that
0: and it's jerry o'connell like 50 percent of our audience will be confident in him and 50 percent immediately will not
1: <laughs> and and then when she's in the play which like wow of all the things to do when you've been hunted by somebody with a knife
0: to wearing be, a mask
1: yeah to be in a play full of people with knives and masks like who thought that was a good idea to cast her in that play like
0: yeah, I think we agreed that the 90s wasn't strong on trigger warnings or <laughs> tra- re-traumatizing victims. Yeah, man,
1: there were so many instances where people were just saying such insensitive, stupid things to her. And it was just like, yeah, she's been attempted, she's gone through an attempted murder. Like, all her friends died from stabbings. And you're, yeah. Yeah. And I know that's meant to be funny. I don't know. It's
0: kind of brushed over a lot of the time. Yeah. And I know that at the start it was trying to be like, she's taking her power back when she gets a phone call from Ghostface's sounding voice and it's actually just a prank call and she can see the number on the caller ID. Remember that one as a thing, boys and girls? <laughs> caller ID on a landline.
1: Well, that was a fun thing about the DVD menu as well because it had... That's right. Had phone cables, uh, I don't know, making like... Coming
0: f- out of Ghostface's head and... Phil and I could not, for the life of us, figure out what it was supposed to be.
1: It was like a bit blurry and I'm like, oh, it's phone cables. Oh, well, we're probably like the last generation who remember that.
0: Oh, and make that link.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy. That's how old this is, this modern slasher.
0: Oh, And seeing all of the phones, the mobile phones, yeah. was amazing.
1: Yeah. All right, well, what did you like about this?
0: What did I like about it? I love Nem Campbell. I just wish there was more of her and less of um, the tangential killings um I think there are some really good um tense suspense moments especially when Courtney Cox is um being chased through like the edit suite and the sound booth um by Ghostface that those really got my hackles up and I got quite scared Mm -hmm. um especially when Joey's on the other side of the silent booth and it's half of the action is silent and it really Plays with your expectations of it being like loud and painful. And instead, it's just like his face into <laughs> pain and terror.
1: Which got a little bit undercut later when they were like, "Oh, his scar tissue saved his life." You're like, "Come
0: on, poor Dewey. Just let him die. I really wish that Rose McGowan was in the second one. I wish they hadn't killed her off in the first one. <laughs> That's, That's part of the reason I love Scream she one so Being the sequel. <laughs> Please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. (laughs) I really wish they hadn't. If only she could have got through that door, the doggy door. (laughs) In real life, you know, she could fit through the doggy door and they had to make it smaller.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. She was tiny.
0: What a boss. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the other thing I enjoy about this film is um, it plays with your expectations a lot of the time. I like the jump scares in it. Um, I like the fact that um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, known as a strong independent lady in Buffy, gets full straight murdered (laughs) and you don't expect that. But I think that because I've already played with it with Drew Barrymore in the first one, you kind of know what's coming.
1: Yeah, it feels like they took a lot of the beats from the first one. And I think they were trying to subvert your expectation by doing exactly what they did in the first one because you keep on thinking oh no they're not going to do that again and then they do
0: well you got me there it's true (laughs) and I can see that a lot of my love for scream 2 is based on my love for scream 1 like it's it's just I wanted more of scream 1 and so they gave me more of scream 1 but it's not scream 1 at the same time it's scream 2 yeah
1: it's it's a clever way of Tapping into to a success, into a nostalgia, particularly for some of the characters who are recurrent, without and making it a clever, making it clever, quote unquote, but basically not doing that much, just changing the setting from high school to college.
0: I think we've both agreed in the past that the best sequels usually change at least the subgenre of their original source material and that's usually the reason that they work so well they're not necessarily reinventing the wheel they're they're just following on the story but giving it a tweak so that you it feels fresh and new and i just yeah. think scream didn't do that yeah. i don't know how it would have i can't think of maybe making it i don't know it could not be more of a comedy because it was already do you feel like they fun were of itself.
1: trying to make it more funny this time
0: Uh, yeah, could have been trying to make it funnier. I'm not sure that it necessarily worked, though.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess sometimes I found it hard to navigate where it was meant to be funny and when it was meant to be scary. Sometimes, like, the cues aren't that obvious.
0: Yeah. I think that it was just much more time and effort went into the first scream than the second scream in terms of script and Mm. character development and... Overall production. Sorry, Wes Craven. We love you.
1: <laughs> it's alright. He, he can't hear us.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> so say that it's too, too soon. soon.
1: Oh, god. I I I uh, I'm so sorry. All right. we well,
0: apologise, Wes Craven fans.
1: <laughs> all right. So on that note, where I've just bashed an absolute legend, uh, <laughs> I can't believe. Let's you. talk about Dash something that is. <laughs> I wasn't. I like Wes. Some of Wes, he's pretty good.
0: I will forever defend Wes. He's a gentleman.
1: He's a lovely guy and all these interviews are really good. All right. Well, we've talked about Scream 2 a lot. Longer than we expected.
0: There's a lot to say. Yeah. I didn't even get to talk about how many Friends references there were in it.
1: There were a lot. There were maybe too many.
0: There was only two.
1: (laughs) Too, too many.
0: No! <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so the next film we're going to talk about is Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice.
0: I feel like it should be the recorn
1: <laughs> I am the Reconinator.
0: <laughs> we have just witnessed a terrible tragedy. It all began here. We are one. In these fields. We are one. With the Children of the Corn.
1: We are what happened is over, Mrs. Burke. It's over. We are blood. Well, a bunch of kids killed all the adults in town. It's just your basic Sunday afternoon in the Bible Belt. But the adult's nightmare isn't over yet. People are actually worried about problems with our sweet, innocent children.
0: There's something out there. There's something... It's evil. It's gotten a hold of our children. Did
1: you see what happened?
0: Was for the corn. Based on the shocking short story from Master of Horror Stephen King. Have you ever seen evil? It works through the children. This is Children of the Corn, 2.
1: He who walks behind the world's commands that we rid the land of all the
0: defilements of corn.
1: I don't want you hanging around with these
0: kids. They were adults. We have seen the way
1: of that world, and it is evil. There is a power greater than all, and it is within us.
0: will The blood of those that defileth the core must flow into the earth. We. <clears throat>
1: That he who walks behind the roads would allow you to escape. She is the first to be sacrificed. No!
0: Children of the Corn 2, the final sacrifice. It's fun to play, night.
1: Although the film was filmed eight years after the original, Children of the Corn 2 picks up where the original left off, but in a new town, Hemingford, which is just adjacent to Gatlin, which seems a bit improbable considering they kept on emphasising how isolated it was in the first one, but we'll just ignore that for a second. After the children depopulate Gatlin of adults, the people of Hemingford have taken the children in, which is very sweet.
0: That's lovely.
1: Unfortunately, due to a lack of therapists police investigation or court proceedings the children are all assumed to be innocent are they though and fine which considering how traumatized they were and they kept on talking about the corn the corn clearly not doing great
0: no they kept being asked like what happened and they're like i saw the corn
1: yeah so clearly not great but chuck won a boss they'll be fine <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, sure, they're mostly innocent because they were being led by Malachi and Isaac. I'm pretty sure that having your parents' blood on your hands still warrants some psychological help.
0: I mean, at minimum, right?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but no, check them in a bus. However, Micah, one of the older boys, becomes possessed by a demon. He was
0: definitely not in the first one.
1: No, no. Well, he would have been like eight in the first one. (laughs) Uh, which is, okay, but the demon that possesses him is apparently not he who walks behind the rose, which was the the demon that the children worshipped in the first film. But this demon was sent by that demon.
0: It's complicated. It, it's, un- it's convoluted. It's
1: unnecessarily complicated. But anyway, freshly possessed, Micah goes on an angsty spree and rather easily convinces the children to join him in murdering adults again. So... Uh, There's an uninteresting bickering father and son subplot and a team romance subplot that serves no purpose. Unnecessary. And ultimately an Indian spirit guardian subplot, which despite featuring some fun lines that have Ned Romero playing against mystical Native American stereotypes, and despite him being a professor of anthropology, is a bit tokenistic.
0: Isn't he a doctor?
1: Yeah, because he's got a PhD.
0: See, that's great, but then they go and ruin it. Yeah,
1: yeah, terrible. Notably, this film seems to only marginally feature the demon in the corn from the first film. He that's who... my
0: favorite, my favorite, favorite effect. How cool does it still look oh, years you, later? They're like
1: burrowing through the earth.
0: Yeah, I love yeah, it. Cool.
1: so cool. he who walks behind the rose, who is the big bad, the evil, the threat, it doesn't really show up in this in favor of focusing on the evils of the greedy townsfolk who are adults and they're trying to mix their previous harvest which was ruined by a dark green acidic toxin which apparently affects children and can drive them mad (laughs) with the new healthy crop of this year. So I thought this was a, a bit of a bold choice to change the Protagonists, sorry, the antagonists from children to adults in a film called Children of the Corn. Anyway, never fear, the kids aren't all right. In fact, the kids are treated like traditional slasher monsters. They kill in a number of amusing but pretty cheap ways, which for me dilutes the horror and creepiness of the child cult found in the original.
0: I agree and disagree, but we can get to that later.
1: uh, and I found that it focused more on the goriness, the, the gory kill aspect, which is fun, but ultimately a bit dumb. So, for example, at one point, the children remotely control an old lady's wheelchair. The sister of a lady that they dropped a house on, by the way, which they drive into an oncoming truck, which sends her soaring into a bingo hall window, <laughs> which is funny. After which a patron stands up and says, "Uh, Bingo. Oh, so bad.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's some writing. Choices were made. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: So, uh, at the end, after burning Dr. Frank Redbear's corpse among the corn without consulting his family or his will, the father-son duo with their newly found country cuties literally drive into the sunset. It's that cheesy. And no, ham- and no Linda Hamilton. So, Boo.
0: Boo. Also, what was with the, the spirit of Doctor Redbear like doo do 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 doo doo all in the lake later on, and then he disappear, yeah.
1: yeah, at one point, the investigative journalist's father finds this rock, well, he's led to this rock by Dr Redbear, who points him to a Native American prophecy about. The Evil one children. who will see the blah, blah, blah. It doesn't even mention the children. It's actually about Dr. Red Bear becoming the protector of the area. Oh. It was so dumb.
0: Clearly, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: No, don't be. I mean, there's so many plots going on for a film that's like ostensibly about children killing adults. All
0: I can remember is, and this was last night, by the way, all I can remember is, when they had a town meeting and the kids burnt them to death inside the town meeting hall. Spoiler alert. Um, and <laughs> um, it was just reminiscent of Carrie. And I was like, oh, this is nice, but this has been done in Carrie. And it was more fun in Carrie. Yeah, There was telekinesis in Carrie.
1: Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's strange because they make the adults seem terrible. They have like a hypocritical preacher kind of character. And they have a cop who tries to kill Dr. Redbear and journalist dad. journo dad
0: <laughs> i love that he is journo dad
1: but I, so that they can you know hide their nefarious deeds and so it's meant to put us on side with the kids but
0: but do we they just murdered a bunch of adults
1: yeah and like it's i don't know and it, the other ones were so funny and then they just suddenly burn their oh yeah and at one point a guy dies from this like hectic nosebleed
0: Oh, yeah. Which, that was good. Which I we, liked that. There was
1: great effect. Like, and like all the kills look great. But, like,
0: it's... That was the only one I hadn't seen before. I feel like I'd seen all the rest of them.
1: Yeah, the Wicked Witch from the West house dropped. No, East Wicked. Yeah. yeah the East Witch. Um, house dropped on the old lady was a bit funny.
0: Yeah, and then, like, Mrs. Deagle from Gremlins being thrown out of her house by, like, an electrified chair kind of thing with... Um, the lady in a wheelchair. And then, yeah, the only one that I hadn't seen before was um, death by, like, a knife to a wooden well, like voodoo, voodoo doll. Yeah. And then, yeah, bleeding to death from your nose and ears, which I thought was pretty well done. Yeah, it was
1: a super hectic effect. I, in the like, middle of a church. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, this is a this dumb, fun film with lots of dumb, fun kills. 90s, over-the-top kills harking back to, like, the 80s special effects arms race.
0: Uh, But I'm sorry, I couldn't get behind the death by corn with the two TV people at the start. (laughs) There was one guy who was apparently, um, his throat was slit by, like, a a very strong corn husk and the other guy was impaled with a different corn stalk.
1: Actually, the connection between both the films that we talked about today is that the first person to die... Was a black person.
0: What about the impalings, too? There are impalings.
1: Oh, there was an impaling sub-theme as well through both of these. Yeah. A connection. I liked that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I do like a good impaling. Paris Hilton in the House of Wax um, remake, that was a good impaling. We can all get behind a good impaling.
1: (laughs) All right, Vlad. (laughs) yeah so i I love the first one. I feel like it's one of the American folk horror films that I can get behind where it mixes that evangelical Bible belt strangeness that you get when people are really fervently religious with the the rustic mysterious nature of nature, I guess really
0: and isolation and
1: isolation exactly. Whereas this one. Spoiler
0: alert, like we're in right now. (laughs)
1: Right. Whereas in this one, it wasn't isolated anymore because it was right next to another town. Yeah. And the religious aspect was there in. You know, in some of the words, but not there in spirit, if you'll pardon the pun.
0: Also, why was that priest always about fornication? He would say, like, don't think about fornication. And you know what? When someone says, don't think about something, I immediately think about it.
1: I feel like that was probably a reference to American uh, news at the time and uh, current affairs. I feel like it was a connection. It was probably connected to somebody making like statements. Like a just say no kind of American history thing. I don't know. Probably. It didn't date well.
0: That's true. I did enjoy, um, spoiler alert, um, Micah when he got sucked up by the corn husking machine. Absolutely. (laughs) Is that what that was?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was like a corn harvester thing.
0: That's right. harvester. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were some great effects. Um, particularly for a film that feels in a lot of ways like direct-to-video kind of quality. It was maybe the larger of the budgets that you would give to a direct-to-video film, but it didn't feel like a theatrical film to me.
0: No, it didn't. It felt like an afternoon special with corn and blood. <coughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, and the, the quality of the shooting and whatever, it really was, for me, reminiscent of something like The Stand miniseries.
0: I think the stand was superior. It wasn't as flat looking.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'd have to compare them, but yeah, like definitely the very nineties feeling.
0: It was kind of film. a like light the entire area and shoot. Yeah. Kind of film.
1: Which is actually how I felt about Scream. So and the interesting. fact that they're both nineties films, so that makes a lot of sense. It was definitely like a which is interesting 'cause like when I think of nineties because I'm such a huge X Files fan, I think of like extreme chiaroscuro and like floodlights and then like super darkness whereas it seems like the general trend was actually for lighter room
0: i don't think that's fair with scream because scream still has depth to it it's just that a lot of the action takes place in the well-lit parts yeah it's not necessarily as flat and bland as children of the corn too which was definitely look like you know A daytime soap.
1: Yeah, it had a TV movie kind of vibe. Yeah. And uh, one other thing that is fantastic about the first film, uh, and something you mentioned before with Scream, is the soundtrack for Children of the Corn 1 is phenomenal.
0: Phenomenal!
1: And they do riff on it a little bit in this one, but uh, where they replicate, it's okay. Where they deviate, it kind of sucked.
0: I think they both fail in that regard of trying to copy what came before and then failing miserably when trying to deviate.
1: Yeah. So one last thought on the difference between the first and the second, the original and the sequel. The original film is definitely a folk horror. It's about atmosphere and about implications and the religion of the area and the folk. If you're expecting that in the second film, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It is much more about the kills. So go into that with that expectation and it's a lot of fun. And if that's your bag, then you'll probably enjoy it more than the first one, which isn't actually that violent.
0: It's more of a mood piece, I would say. Yeah,
1: it's more along the lines of A Wicker Man rather than A Friday the
0: 13th. Also, Linda Hamilton's in it, so you can't go wrong.
1: Yeah. So that's my thoughts on that.
0: Hooray. Is it time for true or false sequel edition?
1: I think it is. True or false. Sequel edition. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're just going to throw statements at each other and see if the other person can guess if it's true or false. (laughs) You can play along if you like. Just get ready to hit that pause button and then see how you went at the end.
0: And see if... You agree with said statement.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure how controversial mine are, but we'll see.
0: All right. Go, Phil, number one.
1: All right. So, Prom Night 1 featuring... Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee of Halloween fame is better than Prom Night 2. True or false?
0: I think you're going to say false. And I say... False too, but for a different reason.
1: Okay, you would be correct. It is false. I think Prom Night Two is, despite, pretty much being a Nightmare on the Street, clone, is better than Prom Night One. I'd be interested here. Why do you think it is?
0: Um, I think it's false because I think that they have equal merit, but they shouldn't be called sequels because they're totally different films.
1: Why? They're both set in a school at prom
0: clearly the same film (laughs) that's why it's a
1: sequel yeah okay fair enough like it's it's tangent tangentially related Mm. and i feel like that the um the film was actually made the script was written and then it was bundled into the prom night it was franchise yeah so it was a case of capitalizing on the fact that it was an existing property
0: but do you know what Prom Night 2 doesn't have the Prom Night 1 has?
1: I know you want to say an amazing soundtrack.
0: An amazing theme song. <laughs> sorry,
1: the theme song. Yeah. And if you haven't heard it, um, don't.
0: Please do yourself a favour and listen. <laughs> Find it on YouTube. It is amazing.
1: Yeah. It's not all right.
0: No, everything is all right. That's the, <laughs> oh, sorry. That's the lyric. Yeah, sorry. Oh. All yeah, right. My turn. Okay. my turn. My yeah, turn. My turn. Number one, 28 weeks later is as good as 28 days later.
1: I think that you think that is true.
0: (gasps) He's correct.
1: Interesting. I think I prefer 28 days. Why? I don't remember 28 weeks.
0: Oh, that's upsetting. I
1: know I've seen it, but I've definitely seen 28 days a lot more. and And I suspect that's because I've gone back to it because I thought it was better.
0: See, 28 weeks later and 28 days later, they work well as independent films because, as well as being sequels, because 28 weeks later takes the original format of, like, a zombie horror, horror movie and then it switches it so it's got more action in it for the second one, thereby having slightly tweaked it to a different subgenre, thereby having an equally good film.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, I have to rewatch it. Um I know that when I first watched both of them, it was in sequence. So
0: wow, that would have been a hectic night.
1: I'm a hectic kind of guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw Twenty Eight Weeks Later in an, a cinema when it first came out, and oh, very nice. Let me tell you, people were very not amused. There were screams everywhere. People were <sighs> wow. having a bad time. I was having a great time and thought that, especially the opening of Twenty Eight Weeks Later, is Phenomenal.
1: Well, now I have to watch that. I think we should watch that tonight.
0: I think I've tried to make my parents watch it and my mum hid behind a pillow. So that'll tell you what kind of film it is. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) mum.
1: Poor Nanette.
0: Uh, Right, number two for you.
1: Well, I saw it on a screen that was probably 24 inches
0: across. Well, we need to fix that. Just as the
1: director intended. Oh, no.
0: Why? (laughs) I'm sorry, Danny Boyle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Did he do the second one as well?
0: I don't know. Let's find out. He did not
1: Okay, did he write it?
0: Uh, Not as far as I can tell No, he didn't
1: Oh, interesting
0: Well, thanks Juan Carlos Fre- Fresnadillo huh. Good job, dude Also, Jeremy Renner was in it. I don't remember that. All I remember is Rose Byrne being a badass. Hmm.
1: After rewatch it.
0: And Robert Carlyle.
1: Cool. I know none of these people. Okay. (laughs) All right. So my next one. Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2 are equally good.
0: False. Immediately false. (laughs) Oh,
1: Okay, what do you think?
0: You think true, but I think false. No, 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 no. You're meant to
1: guess what I think. Oh, uh,
0: I think you think true.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's false.
0: What? I think the
1: second one's better.
0: Oh, no. That is an incorrect opinion. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Hear me up. Gremlins 1 is a better film. It is a better film. It's just, it's better made. Because it's a serious, sort of a semi-serious film, right? He managed to sell.
0: It's a horror comedy. It's a
1: perfect horror comedy.
0: But And it's a holiday film on top of that. It's one of my favourite Christmas films. How can you beat that?
1: Only, okay. I, had, I, I think I laughed more in Gremlins 2. I think the absurdity was great. And you get a taste of that in the first one. And I don't know, I just really like it being dialed up to 11. And Dick Miller was great.
0: We do love a Dick Miller in this, had, in this household. He had a
1: lot more to do, and Christopher Lee was hilarious.
0: Who doesn't love a Christopher Lee um, cameo? Uh,
1: the dude who played the Dracula, and it was hilarious. I don't know. I just, it was great. Actually, no, I'm not sure I can agree with myself anymore.
0: Oh, no. I've, yeah. I've, I've overturned the verdict. Like, oh, I'm no. sorry.
1: No, I feel like they are equally good. They're just so different, though.
0: No, Gremlins 1 is superior to Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2 is fun. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Just Gremlins 1 has a perfect blend of, like, jet black humor. <laughs> mixed with a fun holiday film, oh, and yeah. you can't go past that.
1: Her Christmas anecdote. Oh,
0: my gosh. Mm,
1: that just left me. And the fact that it was basically built as a kid's film.
0: Is the best thing about it. Yeah. It's
1: it's probably a better film, but, man, I had so much fun with the second one.
0: I love how they get away with all of the blood because it's green blood. It's <laughs> great. The
1: microwave and the blender.
0: Ugh just poetry in motion and everyone loves Gizmo and if you don't love Gizmo and Gizmo, I'm sorry all those Baby Yoda fans out there, Gizmo is superior to Baby Yoda and it's basically just the same thing Whew. that's preach, right, preach the controversy shots fired, ladies I, and gentlemen um, and non-binary pals
1: <laughs> I <laughs> I'm going to be one of those terrible people that says I don't care for either of them <laughs> but I'm immune to, to fuzzy little cute things I guess I'm just... I'm not. I'm kidding. (laughs) All right. What's your next statement?
0: All right. Number two. Are you ready? Are you ready? I am. Final Destination 3 is the best Final Destination film. What? What? Uh,
1: I think you think that is false. I think false.
0: No. Final Destination 3 is the best film out of the Final Destination series.
1: Yeah, honestly, it was a coin flip for me because they all blur to me.
0: No. (laughs) They're all the same film. No.
1: (laughs) I I remember that I think the second one has like a a log that goes through someone.
0: That's why no one drives behind loggers these days. Yeah, so that was great. Look, Final Destination 3 is superior to 1, 2, 4, and 5. I believe you. In so many ways.
1: I don't remember it. (laughs) You don't
0: remember it. It takes place at an amusement park. They're all in the roller coaster. The, spoiler alert, they all die on the roller coaster. If you didn't know what a Final Destination film is, you're going to know now. There's always a setup to one really hectic accident of some kind. There's That's a plane right. goes down. There's a, um, a road accident. There's a roller coaster yeah. goes wrong. And you know what? The third one is the best.
1: Look, I, I'm just waiting for a Final Destination in space.
0: i think they've stopped making them
1: well when they reboot the franchise i want final destination x
0: okay they did have the final destination and then they made final destination (laughs) 5 so you know anything's possible exactly all right next one
1: so this is my final statement okay nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors is the best in the series
0: Oh, we're going for a three again is the best in the series. I know for certain that you think this is correct.
1: I do think this is correct.
0: And I, for certain, disagree with you.
1: Oh, so you still like the first one more?
0: Number one for the win.
1: I feel like in number one, it's the the most straight
0: horror. How uh, can you tell me? You can go past a Johnny Depp blender.
1: Yeah, the Depp blender is a highlight of cinema. Uh, I definitely... Rewatched that scene several times, laughing my ass off.
0: It's so good. Johnny he Death shouldn't Bing. have fallen asleep. It's his own fault.
1: him being eaten by that bed, so funny.
0: Ugh. And his mom comes in, and she's just like, "What?"
1: There's just something about Dream Warriors that it's it's both comforting, and I think the main things I actually care about the characters.
0: I care about the characters in the first one. I
1: don't. I hated them all. Ugh. Whereas, except Disappointed. Nancy, no, 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 okay. <laughs> to be fair, Nancy was great.
0: Nancy's such a good final girl. And she's
1: probably the the most successful final girl. Like she actually, she goes full Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Full Macaulay Macaulay Culkin. So really, yeah. Macaulay Culkin went Heather Langenkamp. That's right. Uh, wow, just blew my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, you blew your own mind. This is a first, folks.
1: But there's something about Dream Warriors. It's just got this lovely, I don't know, the story's just better. I just, the, the stakes are better. I like the themes of each person's death.
0: There's an Arquette in it.
1: There's an Arquette in yes. every film.
0: Speaking of Scream <laughs> 2 and Arquettes.
1: It's like Where's Wally? If you look long enough, you'll find her.
0: An Arquette <laughs> of some it, description. Yeah.
1: Where's Arquette? <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Dream Warriors for me is the best one. And it's the time where I feel like, because the second one's a bit of an anomaly because Freddy is a bit, uh, I don't know, it just gets weird. And he's like some sort of possession thing. It's, its I don't know, I feel like Dream Warriors is the real sequel to the first one. And I feel like England finds his voice as Freddy in that film. And he's disgusting and evil. But a bit funny. But a bit funny. And it's all just a little bit tight tighter and the knobs are all on 11
0: and they have fun with the dream sequence stuff
1: yeah and it's it's the first time that the dream stuff really worked for me in that and i think that's why it's successful because in the first one it is i think it's pretty much straight horror whereas Fr- and freddy's like he,
0: he, he's terrifying he's
1: scary in the third one it's more horror comedy There's more ironic... It's
0: leaning towards comedy, but I wouldn't say it's a horror comedy.
1: Sure. But it has more of that component, which is why it's like a success... Like you said before, that's why it's a a successful sequel. Correct. Because it does add that extra component.
0: What do you think, dear listeners? Do you agree with our assessment?
1: Yeah, I think... I feel like this is a debate as old as time or as old as these films about... I know there are a lot of fans of both the first and the third, so and I'm not even that big a nightmare on Elm Street fan, to be honest. But it's still the haven't one even seen
0: New Nightmare.
1: <laughs> I have not.
0: Which, if we're talking about Scream, is technically like the precursor to Scream.
1: Yeah, and I've heard I I have a suspicion I'll enjoy that more, but we'll see.
0: Okay. Stay tuned, everyone.
1: Yeah. So have you got a final statement for us?
0: I do. This one. It's a little bit controversial. Ooh, here we go. All right. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, in brackets, also known as Evil Dead 3. Is it? Don't need Evil Dead to exist.
1: So Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 3 don't need the first one.
0: Yep, to exist.
1: I think you think that's false you think it's true?
0: Yeah, I don't think we need Evil Dead 1. It's fun, but I don't think that it needs to be... If anything, it's a prequel that we didn't need. <gasps>
1: Whoa! Whoa! Okay, so I love both those films. Whoa! And I think Evil Dead 2 is probably better than Evil Dead 1.
0: It's the perfect horror comedy.
1: It is. Whereas Evil Dead 1, just this, just Evil Dead, is uh, it's more straight horror with some black co- comedy in there.
0: But just as you were saying before, that Robert Englund really got into Freddy by the third one, I think Bruce Campbell found his stride in Evil Dead 2. Absolutely. And therefore, I think that Evil Dead 1 really didn't do him any favors. I mean, it's a fun film, but when I'd seen Evil Dead 1 and everyone would come up to me being like, if you had to pick, you know, your favorite like superheroes in like a dream team, you'd pick Ash, right? And I was like, not really.
1: Yeah, and mean, then I saw
0: Evil Dead 2 and I was like, oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, and it's amped up even further in Army of Darkness for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's that's our bias. I think there are a lot of more uh, purist... Deadheads. Deadheads out there who will be like, no, you need the first How one. How dare you. But really the second is just a remake of the first with slapstick. Splatstick. More, more splatstick and slapstick and humour thrown in there.
0: But also like eeriness, like deadpan eeriness oh yeah absolutely it's they're both good and the hand oh hand violence we all know it's my thing
1: (laughs) all right well that was that was our true or false section let us know how many of those you got right and send all your outrage to (laughs) cult of cinema podcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at cult of cinema pod Or join the discussion with other film lovers on Facebook at the Cult of Cinema podcast discussion group.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using.
1: And if you can spare a few seconds, a quick review would be fantastic.
0: Feedback or outrage is always welcome, (laughs) and their ratings and reviews really help to spread the good word.
1: All right. Well, thank you in advance for that. And until next time,
0: all All hail Hail Cinema. cinema.